0: Philippians chapter number four this morning. Philippians chapter number four as you're turning to Philippians. uh, Let's pray for Becky Cutright. We all know Becky. She's been a member a long time. Today is the first day of her husband's retirement. Congratulations, John, on your retirement. Uh, officially today, he has retired, and, and many of you know him. He's been your insurance agent through the years, and so we certainly wish John and Becky the, the, the best. And uh, it was so great to see the Bradleys in church this morning, and uh, uh, often not able uh, health wise to be here. They made it this morning, and they just moved into a new place, sold their house, moved into a new place, and, and uh, Bertie turned 85. Is it okay if I say that she turned 85? <laughs> uh, okay, well, we can, she just turned 85 this week, and so we'll see if they're back next week, okay? Um, but congratulations, and I see a couple of families visiting with us. Thank you so much. It is that time when we call it the preaching of God's Word. It's through the foolishness of preaching that lives are changed. And so I just ask you to listen, uh, having known that there's going to be some other things. My message is not super long, but, but if you'll listen this morning, you just open your heart. Uh, it's been said that salvation is the miracle of a moment, but spiritual maturity is the process of a lifetime. Uh, Maybe that's why I appreciate the words of the Apostle Paul in verse number 11 of our passage when he just simply says, I have learned. I have learned. You know that we never should stop learning. Never. Uh, That's why we read God's Word every day and that's why we have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why in your, your job that oftentimes there's an opportunity for continuing education, we should never stop learning. When I think of the Apostle Paul this morning he was the, uh, he was the, the last of the apostles who was used mightily of God to write much of our New Testament and the apostle paul he was instrumental in so many facets of the early church of what we now have the church here in two thousand and twenty one i 've learned that he was like a... if you if you' picture this with me like he was an overseer and in his writings he he often stops to tell us uh, the stories of his journey and and gives us insight uh, this helps me and helps me to realize this when i look at the apostle paul that the christian life is indeed a journey it's a trip that we make it's not made in a moment it is a journey Oftentimes our problem is that we don't want to slow down. We don't want to learn what God wants us to learn. We live in this crazy rat race of a society that places more emphasis on where we are than on who we are spiritually. Life uh, puts emphasis on what we've done, where we are in the corporate ladder. What is our title? How much is in our 401k? Uh, Life emphasizes success, success, success in the corporate world with a title. The emphasis today, sadly, is not, where is my heart when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ? It's so easy to get caught up in living life in the fast lane. I, I have to illustrate this. Just last night, less than 24 hours ago, Shelley and I, we were driving north on Wilmot, and I was in the left lane. I had places to go. And there were all these other people in the left-hand lane driving below the speed limit. I'm sure they were. And I said out loud to Shelly, what are these people doing? and there was no one in the right lane, in the slow lane. She's like, you could drive in the slow lane and pass them. Uh, but, but, but we're all, everyone wants to be in the fast lane. Uh, but oftentimes there is a signpost that says something like this, slower traffic, keep right. I've seen that on the interstate uh, from time to time. And, um, uh, but people today aggressively live in the left lane. They're in a hurry everywhere they go. We often fail to stop long enough to follow those spiritual signposts in our life, and we don't have time for the slower lane. So this morning, we're going to read a portion of Scripture that gives us great insight into the life of the Apostle Paul. I trust we'll learn something this morning. And so... I'm going to ask you just for the sake of time, we won't stand again because it takes some of you um, a, a while to stand. So we're going to stay seated. But I want you to help me this morning. You're, we're going to read four verses. You're going to read verse 10 and verse number 12. I'll read verse 11 and 13. In Philippians chapter number 4, you will begin reading in verse number 10. Begin. that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned, this is the Apostle Paul writing, in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Father, would you help me? to be able to be very careful in my instruction from your word that it might help us to stop and learn. And may we, at the end of this message, be more willing to be like you and less willing to be like this world. Father, thank you. And would you control my words by thy Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul, he was a man, when I look at this uh, and study the Apostle Paul, who was reaching forth. He was pushing ahead. But he had also learned something called contentment. He knew the, He knew about life in the fast lane. We know about his shipwrecks, and we know about his prison experiences, and we know that it, about stonings, and we know, we know that he knows about death. But we also know that there was times when he was in a prison cell in the slow lane, writing the Word of God. Uh, The Philippian church had been blessed by his ministry and and had been a recipient of his tender love and his care and his teaching. And consequently, the Philippian church went on to support in a missionary uh, endeavor, the Apostle Paul. By the way, this is how the local New Testament church should function today. We should support missionaries. Through our missions conference uh, every year, it helps us determine uh, the number of missionaries that we can take on for support, and 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 how many and how much that we can support missions. And that's coming in October. But in verse number ten, look we look there in your in your Bibles, uh, we see that this church cared for Paul, and as it cared for the apostle Paul, it flourished. They cared for him, yet they did not always have time to send their offerings to him. And in their care, uh, 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 the, the Apostle Paul expressed that he was thankful for, for their care. Um, but when he, their support waned or when it wasn't sent, he also says, I'm content. Paul had learned that Christ had the abundance of resources needed to meet his need. In and, and verse number 11, he says, not that I speak in respect of one, I have learned wherever I am, whatever the condition, to be content. The Apostle Paul had learned to live when the support came in and when the support did not come in. And no matter what the situation, we know the Apostle Paul had learned this, to be content. Have you met anyone who's not content? Oh, wait a second. Let me reverse that. Have you actually met someone who is content? Our society is so backwards and so upside down today that there's little contentment in church, in business, in our homes, in the world today. Paul had learned that Jesus was the needed resource for his own personal life. And it had been my observation in ministry that in the heart of the summer, uh, uh, Christians are scurrying about uh, getting ready for school and and going on their last vacation. And in the Christmas season, it's about uh, uh, gifts uh, and buying gifts and shopping. and, And oftentimes, Christians become dissatisfied and discontent in their life. And there are too many of us that are discontent with Work, family, church, friends, life. There's just a spirit of discontentment. May I just tell you this morning that we often get stuck in the slow lane and we often resent our situation and we don't learn the lessons that we uh, would have uh, before us. And people uh, that get into the slow lane, they often become depressed. They break down uh, altogether. May I just tell you, perhaps we're not looking at it correctly. The Lord wants to teach us something. The Lord wants to do something in our life. Uh, and if there is no contentment in your heart... May I just say this morning, he wants to do something in our counseling and hospital visits and visitation and all the different places I've been privileged to minister uh, throughout uh, serving on a board here or serving uh, in, in our local community or, 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 or it, with our politicians, uh, talking with them. There's some things that I've learned. You know what I've learned? I've learned that people aren't content in their marriage. People are not content in their jobs. People are not content in their education. People are generally speaking today just unhappy because their contentment is often based on things and not a relationship. This morning, I'd like to invite you for the next few minutes just to pull over to the slow lane and make a deliberate attempt to accelerate and allow God, the Holy Spirit, to speak to you I've entitled this morning's message, Back to School, and it's that time of year when elementary and high school and College students are, are all making their plans to return to school. And when I read this passage of Scripture, it reminds me of going back to school. In fact, uh, I, in fact, there's three lessons I'd like for us to look at this morning when we talk about back to school. Back to school number one. Let's go to the school of contentment. And back to school lesson number one, let's look at the school of contentment. We could go to the school of the Apostle Paul and ask him, Paul, you're in prison and you said, I'm content. You were shipwrecked. And you said, I'm content. You were beaten up. You said, I am content. You were speaking to hundreds of people. You were content. Paul tells us the great source of his contentment. Was it at the school of Gamaliel that he learned uh, uh, contentment? Was it in some political school? Paul, where did you, who went through more than probably any of us will ever go through in life, where and how did you learn Contentment. Paul says this. First of all, I learned contentment through the school of personal experience. I learned contentment through the school of personal experience. One of the things that I've learned in studying the Word of God and through my own personal life is that contentment does not come naturally. It is a learned behavior. Contentment is taught to us through the experiences of life. Did you know that God wants to enrich your life? Sometimes we think God is a mean, oh, mean old ogre and that he's laughing at the problems or circumstances in our life. May I just tell you, in fact, it's just the opposite. God wants to teach us contentment that we can find through his son Jesus Christ in the practical experiences of our life. And whatever your situation, finances, Poor health, good health, whether it is a family issue, we must realize it's not a series of accidents. Um, Life is a series of appointments. They're divine appointments given to us. It's how we react in those divine appointments that determines the outcome. The psalmist said, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might what? Learn thy statues can we really imagine anyone saying that it's a it that it's good that there is a sickness it's good that i have a job situation it's good that there's a trial in my life um those people are few and far between but yet the apostle paul modeled that no matter what the circumstances therewith i have learned to be content paul lung is one of our missionaries in the country of myanmar I am amazed by his testimony. He has over 100 children in the children's orphanage. He sent out urgent pleas. They struggle with food. In fact, we recently received an email and a a story where they were able to purchase bread. And he was rejoicing. They were able to purchase bread for the, the children of the orphanage. They live on rice. Rice for breakfast, rice for lunch, and rice for supper. That is all that they have right now, and, and just to be able to have bread. And he was praising the Lord for bread. Every time we talk to Paul Lung, you know what? He's always thanking the Lord for what's going on and how God's meeting needs. Oh, that we had some Paul Lungs in our church today. When we are so filthy rich compared to what those children have in the country of Myanmar, Myanmar with this military coup, uh, it reminds me when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and they were they were stressing out about Jesus saying he's going to go away. Wait, this is the King of Kings, this is the Lord of Lords. He's the Savior of the world, and the, the disciples were stressing, and he was trying to teach the people around him, and he says, "This come unto me, all ye that labor, labor and are heavy laden, and I'm, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you a rest." Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm meek and I'm lowly in heart and you shall find rest under your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sometimes the school of contentment is found in those difficult trials of life. Sometimes Jesus has to say this, Hey, you over there working for that bright red shiny BMW. Hey, you back here. Working for that success in the corporate ladder so that you can have a new title and a new pay raise. Hey, over you. Hey, over you. Hey, you over there. (laughs) Thank you for laughing at me this morning. We often, we're so focused on ourselves. And sometimes Jesus has to say, wait a second, pull over into the slow lane. Slow down enough to that School of contentment of some of those personal experiences that I've allowed to come into your life I want you to learn something. My yoke is easy. My burdens are light and people say say this. No I don't want to be a Christian I'd have to give up too much to be a Christian. I'd have to come to church I might have to give No way! I don't want to be a Christian. May I just say the alternative to being a Christian is death. Separation from God. And so people keep living their own life, stressing out, incurring uh, debt, climbing the world's corporate ladder, uh, uh, going through multiple marriages, losing their children, all in the pursuit of some personal fulfillment that they can't find apart from Jesus Christ. Christians, Please don't envy the world. The world doesn't have something that we should emulate and try to follow and try to have because the end is always destruction. Christians often refuse to enroll in the school of contentment because we want to be like the world. Oh, it's so easy to gripe and complain and, and, and uh, how come they get to drive a new car? How come they get to have a new house? How come they have so much money? Uh, uh, how, how come they get to dress so nice? And Christians often find themselves grumbling or complaining because someone else has more. May I just tell you that in the eyes of Jesus, in the eyes of, uh, of that which we have yet to come, this world is nothing. Please don't compare yourself to the world. Let Jesus teach you. Let the Holy Spirit work in your heart. Paul says, I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. But in all things, I'm instructed. In other words, I am willing to learn at the feet of Jesus. He also said, I, I learned at the, the, the school of the Holy Spirit. I've learned through personal experiences, but the Holy Spirit is very real in my life. And in the school of contentment, the teacher has something that, 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 that the unsaved world does not have. You know what we have? We have a still, small voice that speaks to us when we slow down long enough to hear it. The Holy Spirit wants to instruct us in deeper ways about Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit wants to instill depth and fortitude in our lives so that we won't be like that ship that's tossed to and fro with the waves. We won't be carried about every wind of doctrine. We won't be uh, discouraged in every trial of life. But uh, we will set our sail. We will go where Jesus Christ wants us to go. Oh, quickly, this morning, we've learned uh, in our back-to-school message here this morning about that school of contentment. But I want you to notice, uh, secondly, this morning, uh, the back-to-school lesson number two is this. is Where was Paul's source of contentment? Oh, he had to go to the school of contentment. But what was the source? What was it that caused him to be contented? How could this man that's writing from a prison cell say, I'm satisfied. I'm okay. I'm content"? There's a profound statement that comes from the pen of the Apostle Paul. He says this, I can do all things through Christ. I can go to prison with Christ there helping me. I don't know about you, but I like can-do type of people. Uh, And there's several of those in our church. Um, Now here, working with uh, several uh, of our employees, there's a couple of those can-do. Chris Traynor, I I will have some crazy harebrained idea. I said, I'd like to do this. And Chris says, all right, can-do, consider it done. And um, and, and, uh, and then he goes back to his workshop and he says, what in the world did I just agree to do? Uh, but he has that can-do attitude. I want to put a door here. I want to cut a hole in the wall here. I want to do this. I think this will make us more efficient. Can-do. Consider it done. We got it. Uh, our world needs some can-do type of Christians. Not the committee, posse, organized, think-about-it kind of guys. Um. A couple months ago, we were talking about growth groups, and I said, I'd like to, uh, Pastor Howard and Pastor Jonathan were in my office, and we were talking about it, and I said, I'd like to switch a couple of the locations around, um, just as I'm thinking about the flow, and uh, and we were just talking about it, and uh, neither one of these guys said, now, Pastor, do you realize this is three days away? We need to get our committee together to investigate the possibility of such work being done here at our church. No, both of these guys said, consider it done, can do. And they immediately uh, had it ready to go by that next Sunday as we moved some growth groups around. Paul was a can do, uh, but it wasn't him that was doing it. Paul said this, I can do all things through Christ. I'm a can do person because of Christ. He had learned in that school of contentment in those dark, lonely days that were filled with pain and coldness in a prison cell. He learned that Jesus' plan was much better than his own plan. He had learned that the source of his contentment was none other than Jesus Christ. Let your conversation be without covetousness, but be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. So that we may boldly say this, Christians, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Lord is my helper. Could you say that this morning? Could you say that in everything that I'm going through I know the Lord is my helper in my health. The Lord is my helper in this job situation. The Lord is my helper in this struggling marriage that I'm involved in. The Lord is my helper with my struggling child or teenager. The Lord is my helper. Do you know why you aren't content? Why you are so frustrated? The main reason is that you've taken your eyes off of him. You've taken your eyes off of the helper. The Apostle Paul said, I'm in a cold, damn, dark, ugly, rat-infested prison. The Lord is my helper. I've learned how to be content. We began to compare and criticize. Instead of proclaiming that promise experientially. I can do all things through Christ. The Lord is my helper. Uh, He's the resurrection and the life, and he's able to make all grace abound to, toward us, and that we might have sufficiency in all things. And Jesus says, I know what you're going through. And as your high priest, I've touched, I have been touched with the feelings of your infirmities. I have all sufficiency, and I have everything under control, and nothing going on in your life has caught me by surprise. Just reach out to me. The Lord is my helper. Tucson Baptist Church, we have needs. The Lord is my helper. We have uh, stresses and strains. The Lord is my helper. Oh, by the way, contentment is not complacency. I fear that Christians tend to mix up these two words. Weir and Weir'sby said this, contentment is not an escape from the battle. Rather, it's an abiding confidence in God during the battle. Contentment is not saying that I will pull out of the battle. I'm going to take a breather. No, contentment is not quitting in the midst of the battle. It's our abiding confidence in God while I'm in the battle that he's going to bring about that victory. And I don't know what your battle is today, but I do know this. All of us have some type of battle. It could be in our mind, it could be physically, it could be emotionally, it could be spiritually, it could be familial, it could be in our job situation, it could be in our finances. Every one of us have some type of battle. There are those who are battling battling bitterness this morning. It's your battle. May I just tell you that our sufficiency is found in Christ. Oh, we see Paul went to the school of contentment. And then we learned that his source of contentment was none other than Jesus Christ. And finally this morning, I want you to notice that in this back-to-school message, the strength of that commitment, the strength of that commitment. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we will carry nothing out. I'd like to share with you two very scriptural thoughts that the Apostle Paul taught young preacher boy whose name was Timothy. It's as if we have the opportunity to peer into this relationship between the Apostle Paul and Timothy. And the Apostle Paul, he's now a grizzled veteran. His fingers are probably gnarled with arthritis. His eyesight is dim. He can hardly see. His life, is his physical health is falling apart. It would seem that his life was over. And yet he says, through all that I have, Timothy, I've learned some things. Let me share two thoughts. He said, uh, Young Timothy, he said this, grasp this. He said, Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, uh, the mature believer possesses godliness and contentment. The, this combination equals strength and it equals great spiritual fortitude. Godliness with contentment is a great personal gain. There are many people that know some things about God. They know some things about the Bible, and yet they're still satisfied with their lot in life. And they're just like one corner away from falling into some type of temptation. And they're looking uh, for something that can help them be more important in this world. You say, I'll never fall into sin. I'll never get off the beaten path. I'll always be faithful. I'll always be godly. I'll always be contented. But you know what? I can dabble here and there in the things of the world. Think about that just for a moment. The devil, he wants you, God's people, to dabble in the things of the world. You say, are there examples of that in Scripture? Well, time doesn't permit me to tell you about all of them, but what about Eve? A perfect life. Perfect. But she dabbled. She dabbled in the world. And all of us this day are recipients of Eve's choice five to 6,000 years ago. Just dabbled in the world. Uh, what about Lot? Oh, Lot says, you know what, uh, Uncle Abraham, you know, um, our, our, our cows and, 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 and animals are kind of getting mixed up together. So why don't I take uh, uh, my animals and, and my servants and my tents and my possessions and let me just get away. You know what? That city over there, Sodom and Gomorrah, it looks kind of attractive. Oh yes, we're gonna stay strong Christians, but me, we're just gonna go, we're just gonna go live over there. What happened to Lot? David, you remember that guy? A man after God's own heart. He was supposed to be in the battle with his soldiers. That's where he was supposed to be. Ah, my God's got it. I don't need to do that. I'm going to stay home. And he goes out on his porch at nighttime and looks out on his porch and he sees an absolutely stunning, beautiful woman taking a bath. Let me just dabble a little bit. Her husband's away. Get her for me. I want her. Like Samson said, David said, I, I want her. How did that turn out? Yes, we can be Christians, but may I just say we can dabble in the world and the consequences reverberate for generations. I see also the world's possessions will not bring you contentment. The world's possessions will not bring you contentment. I heard a pastor say at a funeral one time, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Whether it's a cremation or it's a casket, that's it. You don't take anything with you. Notice what it says in verse number seven, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. You say, I'll tell you what can make me happy this morning. A new car, a new camper, a new gun, a new motorcycle, a new, uh, uh, a new purse, uh, a new this, a new that. Listen, it'll only make you happy until the smell wears off. Shelly and I, we've had three or four new cars in our entire married life. Most of the time, we've always purchased uh, someone else's used car. uh, But we've only had, and and here's what we say. We're never going to have a drink in our new car. How many of you understand that? There's never going to be a drink. Okay, then it goes to, okay, if it has a screwed lid on it, then we can have it. And then there's the first throw up. There's the first spill. Okay, we can just put any. Well, it. it's just so it has a straw and a lid on it. Well, it can have a drink. It's only new until it doesn't smell new anymore. And then guess what? We're tired with it. Do you know that uh, Pastor Jonathan is, we talk about computers? We have to have computers here, and and um, that at the, at the very moment we purchase a commuter, computer here in our ministry, it's already outdated. There's a new. There's a new model. There's a new better something. And we as Christians, we have. Bought into the lie that we have to have the best, next best thing. So well, most of us have smartphones, uh, and and I had an iPhone eight. And for if, if you have an iPhone, you'll understand this uh, terminology. I had an iPhone eight, and we had there was a special deal where I could get an iPhone twelve. So guess what? That means I missed nine, ten, and eleven, and I was going to jump four. I mean, I was really going to be something special. I, Uh, I actually was over at Costco, and he was looking at my iPhone 8. And you know what he said? Man, that phone is old. (laughs) I was out of touch with the new. We as Christians, we always want the new. We haven't learned contentment. Imagine you say the world's possession is not going to bring the contentment I'm talking about this morning. It will not bring it. You say, "Uh, uh, if I just had this, I would be content. You can mark it down. I promise you, um, you may be happy for a moment, but you won't be joyful. Someone has said this, uh, that we should do our giving while we're living, then you'll be knowing where it's going. And um, I'm so thankful that there there are literally hundreds of you are faithful in your giving, and I thank you for that. Um, Someone said this, somehow a cold heart and a stingy hand go together. Somehow, a cold heart and a stingy hand go together. Having things and having accounts is not what brings contentment in our our heart. Christians, you realize that Christ has the abundance of resources to meet all of our needs. That is what's going to bring true contentment and joy in our lives through Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you this morning, are you content? Is your heart content this morning? Are you resting in Jesus as the source of your strength? Have you been looking to yourself for that new job or that new relationship? Have you been depending on you? Or perhaps uh, you cannot even rest in Christ's strength because he's not even in your life this morning. When's the last time you pulled over to the slow lane? And you listened to that still small voice called the Holy Spirit that will live in you when you have a relationship with Christ. Sometimes we need to slow down and let Jesus I often talk for 12 years about looking for divine appointments and if you've been here any length of time you've heard that terminology we must always be in tune, we must be looking for those God ordained divine appointments and they'll happen if we'll be looking for them this past week, I stopped at my favorite place to get an iced tea. I usually get an iced tea to drink in the morning and work on it through the day. I, I, I love unsweet iced tea. It's so exciting. Um, uh, and so I stopped to get my unsweetened iced tea. I know every, the name of every person there. And uh, if they hire a new person, I always introduce myself. I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed that I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed that I pastor Tucson Baptist Church, and I, and I, I love to talk about it. Well, um, not every morning is there a conversation uh, when you do a, a mobile order to go. I just walk in, get, get my, my drink, and walk out, say good morning to those who are working, and, and that's it. They're always busy. On Monday of this past week, I had a divine appointment. I walked in. My drink was already ready. I started to get it, and... That still small voice said, talk to Alyssa. There was no one else there. There was no other customers. And there's always at least two employees. Always, always, every day. And she was there by herself. And I said, Alyssa, good morning. How are you today? That's all I said. God ordained appointment. Still small voice said, speak to her. I spoke to her she came over to the counter she said my grandfather just died and I back in Florida and she says I'm really struggling with it I just don't know what I'm gonna do he was the strength of my life and and she went on to share with some personal things about her family and how much her grandfather meant to her and she was just crying and I I said Alyssa, I am so sorry to hear that. I said, can I pray for you uh, 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 about your grandfather? She says, oh, would you please? She says, I thought you were a pastor of a church. Not Now, this is during rush hour. This is when people are uh, coming to get their drink before they go to work. I'm telling you, before the Lord, not one single person walked in. Her, her, the person, her co-worker was still in the back and never came out the entire time. And she told me the story of her grandfather. I prayed with her in the... Coffee shop. I'm sure corporate would love to know that. That's why I'm not using their name, so it's not recorded. I don't want to get this lady in trouble. I prayed with her, and no one interrupted the entire time. I'm telling you, there's some times that we have to slow down for the God-ordained appointments. I saw her. She said, "Well, she said today's my Friday. I won't be in until Thursday." I saw her on Thursday and as soon as I walked in, she came straight to my counter. She says, "I've had the best week. Thank you so much for what you did on Monday." And there were people everywhere around and and uh, you know, some people, went, "What did you do on Monday?" I don't you know. <laughs> if we are so busy that we can't hear the still small voice, we're missing out on contentment. We're missing out on the Lord's blessings. Church family, this is to us. Please, please listen. Please heed the words this morning. I'm not talking to some other church this morning. I'm not talking to anyone else here in Tucson. I'm just talking to the people that are assembled here this morning. We are so busy that we couldn't even hear the Holy Spirit if he, tried, if he was shouting. Because we're so busy. When's the last time you heard that still, small voice? When's the last time you were content where you are? And you could say as the Apostle Paul, I have learned. Yes, I've been to that school of of contentment. I understand the source of that contentment is is, is, uh, uh, Jesus Christ. I understand the strength of that commitment comes from me living under the control of the Holy Spirit who lives within me because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ.